Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Hello and welcome to our Formula One season preview for 2021 and over the next 90 minutes I'm going to be joined by Nick Damon and Sam Collins to look ahead to the season which gets underway uh, later this month at Bahrain. Well let's start with Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent. Good evening Tim, good evening listening world and of course it's the preview so it is the biggest of biggest of hooray! I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. Anyway, carry on. Now we've waited until after the uh, official test in Bahrain to do this preview show um, because we thought we'd learn something. Well, some people thought we'd learn something. Um, I was never convinced we're going to learn anything from the test and I think I'm right. No, you're wrong. Really? No, we have. Well, yes, well, I think we've learned a couple of things. Yes, I, 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 I would say that the things that we have definitely learned is that for once, Red Bull haven't gone backwards over the winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may not have gone as far forward as it seems. They certainly haven't gone backwards, which they've done every time before. Uh, Mercedes definitely have a problem. Doesn't mean they can't fix it in two weeks. It's not. A, it's not a fundamental design problem because the fundamental design of the car is fine. Um, Aston Martin have got issues because they've not got the same the amount of mileage they wanted. Um, Alpine, the Alpine car's got a weight problem. Well, a visual weight problem. I love the idea of people for fat shaming it for its uh, its its air intake. And um, McLaren are very good at bolting new engines onto old chassis. Uh, let's talk about some changes to the sporting regulations. Yes. Uh, we've already talked about um, Williams running uh, Roy Nissany in testing and uh, we will get to see him in some Friday practice sessions over the course of the seasons because although there are changes to the rules uh, for free practice um, Only an hour Yes uh, but there's also changes uh, in who can drive in free practice. They've changed the super license rules, haven't they? It was interesting, actually, because I didn't really notice when he was out there on uh, Friday, we had to have a green light on the whole time because he hadn't got a super license. Like an, like the X you see on the back of a Fiesta Challenge car. Lovely. He had a green light on, saying, so you've got a super license, Roy. Um, if, again, in fairness to Roy, um, he acquitted himself very well in that, in that day of testing, you know. Well done. But, he, you know, he... he, he and, and, had, and the rules for... Doing the testing, are, morning testing is, is slightly more relaxed. But, you know, moving forward, if you're going to race, you need a super license regardless. You can't do it the back door way where you just do so much testing and let you have it anyway. You still need the super license points. And uh, obviously, uh, at some point, uh, every team has to allow uh, a driver, a one of someone who is one of their uh, race drivers to do a free practice session on Friday. Um, with the exception, I believe, of Renault and Alpha Tauri. Exactly, they've officially got rookies, is it? Uh, sorry, and Haas as well, yes, because yeah, uh, they're, they're rookies, yes. So, so Fernando's a rookie again? Uh, yes, yes. Not having driven for the last two years. 
I'm not convinced that Fernando's got enough uh, points for a super license. No, you, you don't lose them that quickly. Uh, three years you lose them, except, or normally you would, obviously you don't at the moment because uh, sure. they've suspended the rules uh, because yeah. of COVID. Put it this way, uh, I think it wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> Uh, what do we think about uh, the chances of some sprint races happening? They're not sprint races. It's sprint, sprint qualifying. qualifying. Uh, I think it's almost certain it'll happen. Apparently, the, ra- the only row that's left now is about how much extra money the teams get for doing it, which is a bit weird, really, because isn't that money going to show up on their cost cap? Anyway, um, yeah, so the only um, argument is how much money the teams get paid to take part in them. Heavily trailed, there'll be three of them, Silverstone, Monza and Brazil. If Brazil happens, um, you will have a proper ordinary qualifying on Friday afternoon. That will set the grid positions for the sprint race, sprint qualifying, sorry, which will be um, 100 kilometres. So third the distance of the Grand Prix. So be 18 laps of Silverstone, 19 laps of Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the finishing order on that is the finishing or the starting order for the next race with apparently... The dramatic awarding of three points for first, two points for second, and one point for third. So it really is a half-hearted, um, sorry, half-hearted. You can cut that first word out. Half-hearted attempt at doing something different because you're not going to give any points for it. What's the point? In, in you know, and I and thought just, drivers in the top eight would uh, no, receive half points. No, they've no, changed that. The most, in fairness, this is the most recent rumor, and by the time this is broadcast, and probably by the time people are listening to it as a podcast, that may all have changed. So that is this is this is the current rules TM. It's three, two, and one. Um, yeah, and that's and that's the idea. Now the, the interesting question is they haven't said what happens about Park Fermo rules because first of all they're still intending on having Saturday morning practice after Friday qualifying. Mm-hmm. So you do a Friday qualifying. You can't then do Saturday practice in this, exactly the same form as you're going to do the race. So does that now mean we're going to finally get an actual qualifying set up on the cars for fri- for those Fridays? And then Saturday goes back to free and then Sunday. And then it, so basically you're going to go back to the old fashioned way of actually having a car set up for each race individually, which will make the races more interesting. Because um, you have a race set up and a qualifying set up rather than an aggregate set up for those ones. Um that's what I'm, that's actually more interesting than three, two, one about how they're going to manage that because we've been so strictly controlled over the past um, few years that you would think you know, that'd be that'd be a, you know, a key point about this suddenly you have a freedom to the cars up for race and a freedom to the cars up for qualifying, admittedly based on very little actual running. And the calendar, Nick. Um, well, yeah. So we start off in Bahrain. Um, then we go to well, straight away our next race is Italy. I don't know whether we really want to talk about this, but. Italy's about to go into a more severe lockdown. Um, then we go to Portugal. That never really affected Formula no, One last year, no, though. They went to a lot of places also, that were locked down. Yes, I know you're saying, but it's about fans and everything else and coverage. But also, of course, half the paddock um, took up the offer of the free vaccination from Bahrain, didn't they? F1 mm. saying no is up to everyone else. Apparently, they reckon that half the half the um, the paddock of various of, 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 you know, of all sorts of people, both the, the press and the caterers and everything, have taken up, which I think was very generous in Bahrain to offer it. So um, then we go to Portugal, where things are getting better, so there might be a crowd. Uh, Spain, no. Monaco is going to be really interesting how they're going to run Monaco on mm. uh, 23rd of May, but not my problem. Uh, Azerbaijan again. Back to back street circuits. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, there it's there was a fortnight better. between them, but. You don't often see two street races next to each other on a calendar. 
no, not probably since we there's those, those loops around in America at the back end of seasons a few years in, in the late eighties when you go to you know Detroit and then Las Vegas and everything else. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a yeah. There's twenty three races, therefore there are a lot of races. It's a good calendar. We've we've picked up a couple of extra European rounds um, with Imola and Portugal replacing China and Vietnam. Um, which makes it easier for the teams. And certainly if you've had a difficult start of the season, say your Ferrari or say your Mercedes, and it's great to have, you know, be able to fly your parts out to Imola. But yeah, you, you look at the season and you, and you sit there going, well, let's, let, let's hope we get it all away. And even, yeah, you get to the back end of the year, you think going to Brazil in November, is that, is that could still be quite wobbly um, with the pandemic. Um, and with Australia now back in on 21st of November, and the racing running all the way to the 12th of December with Abu Dhabi. Uh, and, of course, the new race in Saudi Arabia. So it's a big season. It's the longest one ever. Oh, of course, we have a new race in the Dutch Grand Prix. We have, we have the Dutch well, Grand Prix yeah. that didn't happen last year, yes. Yeah. So um, two new additions to this calendar. Um, we've spoken at length about uh, Zandvoort and the changes that have been made to Zandvoort to accommodate Formula One. Um, but what do we know about Jeddah? Nothing. Nothing the street circuit um it's what it's it's actually what liberty wanted to do and haven't been able to do for now this is the first thing they've got managed to get one going they failed in vietnam right at the last minute because of um looks like corruption um within the promoter they failed with miami because miami couldn't agree on anything they finally managed to get what they wanted which is a street circuit and it's in saudi arabia which whilst it means it be nicely organized and well invested it comes with its own set of problems so yeah it's uh, an interesting one, but but yeah, it's a big season. I, I wonder what the odds would be about. I I I just think we won't get them all away. I'm sure that we'll lose one at some point. My my the one I think we're most likely to lose is Brazil, even though it's way back in November. Well, I'm concerned about Canada. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. I Canada well. saying that uh, they're aiming for uh, a first of June return to normality, so that gives them. Uh, a week well, and a maybe. half before uh, Formula One arrives. Yeah, the problem is that things things will improve. We have to with the pandemic because it dominated last year. Things will improve naturally over the summer in Europe because that's what happens with diseases. Things will improve because more people get vaccinated. However, a lot of a lot of countries in Europe have cocked vaccination up, um, which is a problem. I think you know, how they're going. Yeah, you know, if things aren't really really good, how are you going to do Monaco? Can the Monegasques? keep people out of a town it's not like keeping them out of a stadium is it you have to you know obviously Azerbaijan's no issue because it's a totalitarian state and they do what they like I mean I think the more interesting thing is when do you think we'll first get a crowd so you're thinking the first crowd's going to be Canada is it or no I, I think that Canada will happen uh, uh, but uh, I think there are probably places earlier in the season that could have a crowd um, including Portugal might be they are things up but they have portuguese people there that's yes. true yeah they had a bit of a crowd didn't they for the race in october november um they were ten thousand. they had yeah they go but i mean that's what we need i mean i, I yeah I, I think there's a very good chance of full house the british grand prix belgium and the belgium and dutch grand prix we sold out they can be absolutely sold out um the dutch were getting, basically all those dutch fans get to have a 10-day hangover well we're 10 minutes into this show i think it's about time we introduced sam collins good evening sam Hello, Tim. Is it fair to say that there are not a lot of technical changes this year? No. There's what, a lot. Of th- there's what a lot has changed. Well, there's been rule changes. Um, the rule changes are pretty minimal. 
So to avoid tyres exploding like they did at Silverstone, mm-hmm. the floors have been cut back, as have the little fins at the lower half of the rear brake duct, and the diffuser's been made slightly smaller in terms of the strakes that hang down from it. It all looks quite minor, but the reality is, in theory, it's a 10% cut in downforce. But the teams, well, they're cleverer than the rulemakers, and it's not been a 10% cut in downforce. Some of the teams are already back to where they started out. Uh, And this is why everyone's talking about rake. Yes and no. Everyone's been talking about rake. That's the, the, the difference between the front ride height, so the front the height of the floor between the front wheels and the rear wheels, the rear ride height, and it gives you like a triangle underneath the car, and that's how, how much that difference is. So if you've got your, your rear stuck up in the air, like the Red Bull, that's a high-rate car, and if it's stuck down low, like the Mercedes, that's a low-rate car. Um, the new rules impacted high rate cars a lot less than they impacted the low rate cars and there are only really two low rate cars left in formula one the mercedes and the aston martin and they've suffered a bit more from these rule changes than than the high rate cars but that's not the big talking point which is the floor the floor itself so the floors you might remember last year there were all these slots slats sticky uppy bits all sorts of stuff along the rear floors that was all to do with sealing the edge of the floor and sealing the space between the rear wheel and the edge of the diffuser almost like a blown diffuser effect well all of that's been bad you're supposed to have a single flat plate that runs along the side of the floor which is much narrower now of course and i think the rule makers didn't pay enough attention when they were hurriedly drawing this rule book up and they've left a few areas of freedom along the edge of the floor and the teams are massively exploiting it I see. Uh, so that means that the uh, teams with the biggest brains and biggest checkbooks are going to uh, get the biggest benefit. Yes and no, because from this, from January the 1st, 2021, a new set of rules were introduced regarding how teams operate. There was a cost cap that's been introduced, and that's now set. That's locked in. Teams can't spend beyond that on the development of the car for this year and for next year within this 12-month period. But also there's like a sliding scale, a sort of handicap system of how you can use your wind tunnel and CFD time. So all your aerodynamic development time. So the team that finished first in the championship last year, Mercedes, has the smallest allowance of wind tunnel and aerodynamic development time to spend this year. The team that finished last in the championship, Williams, has the highest amount. So it's not so clear cut that the teams with the biggest checkbooks and the biggest uh, set of brains will be able to develop as fast as, as each other. It could be actually that someone team a little team like Williams or Alpha Tower in particular, Haas, though they've really not bothered this year, uh, they could all develop a lot quicker and really make a big difference. Well, we're going to go through them team by team. Well, let's start with Red Bull then. Okay. We have Max Verstappen still there. Yep. And he has a new teammate again. Yes, he keeps burning through him, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, with Sergio Perez, I think um, regardless of anything in testing, regardless of whoever did anything over the over the winter with changes to this, that, and the other, the it's a definite fact that bringing Sergio Perez into the Red Bull team is an upgrade um, for them. Certainly, it's now their best driver pair uh, since 
Danny Rick left. They have two drivers who have won races. They've got two drivers who are capable of, of, of driving a tactical race. The problem they really had throughout the last two seasons with uh, Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon is just they weren't there often enough, or in some cases even at all, to back up Max Verstappen. So when Max was having a good race, he was on his own fighting two Mercedes. And that left him with... you know not only, you know, exposed as far as setting the car up is concerned, but also exposed in tactics in the race as well. So, they, you know, he, they, they, they could undercut him, they could overcut him. They had, they, had, you know, they had two bullets in the gun, he only had one. So that requirement for a competent second driver eventually overarched the requirement to keep Helmut Marco happy by employing people in the Red Bull Junior program. And luckily for them, Sergio Perez was available, uh, motivated, ready to go after his first win, in uh, the Bahrain's, well, I call it the sprint race, Bahrain oval race. Uh, you definitely can't last, call it yeah. the oval race. Well, almost oval race. Whether it was, it was a Sakir Grand Prix, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I think I think you know that that is the definite upgrade. They they won the last race. That's kind of well done. I wouldn't put much on that winning in uh, Abu Dhabi. A couple of reasons. Um, Lewis was coming back from COVID. Was obviously under the weather. Mercedes had a terrible problem with MG UK and had to turn everything down. So you know it was kind of like a a, a lap of honour for, for Lewis and, and Mercedes. And, and you know, again, Red Bull did a fantastic job and took their opportunity. It does look like they have managed to develop the car successfully, taking into account the new aero regs. And it's a it, it people seem to say that the high rate concept. Uh, where the rear of your car is well jacked up compared to the front, is slightly less affected by these changes to the rear end uh, diffuser rules. Um, the low rate cars, and the low rate cars called being Aston Martin and Mercedes. So it's all looking really, really good for them. I think Max Verstappen is fired up. I think it was noticeable in the test that Max Verstappen was 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 hanging it all out there. He wanted to, he wanted to prove something. You know, if you compared the the driver language between Max Verstappen in the test and and Lewis, uh, Lewis, you know, was pretty obviously at eight tenths, whereas Max was was having some fun and 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 really pushing. Now this is, you know, is, is interesting, but again, another reason why you can't always take testing to be anything because not everyone's trying as hard as everyone else. But yeah, I think Verstappen's got a fantastic chance. I think I think that there's every chance that when they uh, journey into the uh, the desert again in in a few days' time. The, the, the Red Bull will win um, every chance. I think I think the only downside that they then have is it's a three week gap to the next race, which is in Imola, which is three more weeks. Mercedes to work on their weakness. And it's and it's it's, you know, OK, you walk away, you're seven, eight, nine, ten points ahead. But there's 23 races in this season. So, you know, whilst it's nice, nice to win, you know, we, we know what a juggernaut Mercedes are. Red Bull's got, Red Bull, who've got their car right, are going to have to find that development progress. And, and Honda are going to have to find their progress. And of course, Honda with a new engine. And remember, there were there were still a lot of engine problems and mechanical failures for Red Bull last year. They, they, it was glossed over because of this kind of, you know, the, the short running of the season and, and plucking Max as the only man who was fighting against um, Mercedes. But Max didn't finish any of the three Italian Grand Prix for various reasons. Two of the mechanical failures and the third one when he was punted out, but the car already failed in uh, Mugello. So that's something that's going to work. And they've got to improve the reliability. Um, Max obviously has the talent to win the race. Max we think has the talent to win a world championship, but it's very different, difficult, you know, being out in the lead and being expected to win. is very, very difficult from playing catch up and winning the, and winning the races when the other team drops the ball, you know, which is all bonus. And so far he's, he's won, he's zero for one in times when we thought he should win because he didn't win in Turkey, but he should have won. But, you know, 
He's a great driver. There's every chance he'll be able to pull it off, but it's a whole season. And if you were putting your money on who would develop the car better over a course of a season, then you can't walk away from Mercedes. You've done it so many times before. Sergio Perez has been quite cautious in what he's been telling the media over, well, not just over the test week end, but also before that. And he's now saying it could take him until we're a quarter of the way into the season before he fully understands what the car underneath him can do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of expectations, I think, be it negative or positive. People are you know, either talking things up or talking things down. Uh, Perez said that he, he, after the first shakedown test and, and also the test in the two-year-old car he was in, that he could tell that the car you know, was, was a very different beast to drive. You know, it's a, it sits on its nose, it's a pointy machine. It would take some, some time to get used to. You know, you, you know, you've got to build expectations. He's lowering them because, you know, it's a it's a hive of rumour and intrigue at uh, Red Bull. And he he wants to be there for more than one year. So he wants to say that things aren't going great in the first three or four races. Well, I told you it's happened, but it will all click quite soon and keep the rumour mill down. Um, he'll, he'll do better than, than Albon and he'll do better than Gassi did in his in – his, uh, really because he's experienced his excellent tyre management – um, will enable him to do so. You know, I don't think he'll be on on Max's pace. At probably, you know, perhaps only a couple of times in the season he'll be he'll be quicker than Max. But that's not what he's there for. He's there to be two tenths of a second slower than him, rather than half a second, which um, the other two guys have been. It's very much the the name RB16B says it all. Really, it's very much an evolution of last year's car, but with some more clever bits and tight bodywork. Honda have turned up with a super small, new, more powerful engine. They think they're more powerful than where Mercedes were last year. So that's looking really positive for the Honda powers teams. Um, the trick with that car is it's just all about lots and lots of optimization and improvements. Lots of speculation as to how what, Mercedes, what um, Red Bull have changed on the car. I believe it to be the gearbox, but I could be wrong. They haven't said too much and they're being a little bit cagey and secretive at the moment. And obviously, with all the uh, social distancing, you weren't able to get up close to these cars uh, at the test like you normally would be, Sam. That's right. The closest I could get to the cars at the test was on the pit in and the pit out. So I had a quick look at them there, but really I was restricted to behind the garages, which was rather frustrating. Okay, so at the end of the season, where in the championship table do you expect to see Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez? Well... I think that Max Verstappen will be second, and I think Sergio Perez will be fourth. Where do you think the team's going to finish in the Constructors' Championship? I think they'll be second. Let's move on to Mercedes. Looked like they were struggling a bit in testing. They were, quite simply. Um, I had a chat with Andrew Shufflin um, during the test, the second day of the test, and he was not happy. The team, Lewis Hamilton has come out and said he's not happy. The car isn't handling well. Um, they still haven't told us what they've done with their tokens. They've just given a list of things that they haven't spent their tokens on, which is really confusing because we can't actually find where they've spent them. They're just teasing us and stringing us along. But the Mercedes they've definitely is, used them all, have they? Well, they're not obliged to. They could use one token, which is what Williams did last year, or no tokens or two tokens. So we, we really can't. There's nothing obvious on the car to show what they've spent it on, other than the team will say it will become apparent in time. So we don't know what they've done. The Mercedes itself, again, very much an evolution of last year's car. They've introduced some new bits and bobs, some revised aero parts, but fundamentally it's a very similar car. 
It's got a very distinctive floor, and I think a few teams are going to start trying to copy that route. There is some talk, and I've got some pictures. I've seen some articles in Italian media, but I don't think they're fully researched yet. They may be doing something quite clever with their diffuser. There does seem to be some sort of slot in the rear bodywork. Haven't quite got to the bottom of what, it, whether it's on both sides of the car or just one. I can only find it on one side at the moment. And it may be they're trying something clever at the rear end, and that's what's causing the handling imbalance. It's certainly, the team believe it's an aerodynamic problem, and that's why they're struggling with the car at the moment. I don't think they're going to get that fixed by the first few races, so they're going to lose a lot of points there. Uh, and Das, what's the situation with that? That's gone, has it? Das is Das, it's gone. Uh, I mean, Lewis that. Hamilton says it's on 130. Point zero two five. Yeah, but he um, did it on the very, very softest tyre. Yeah, that's not a great advantage in uh, Bahrain, where the tyres are actually too soft for the surface. And the normal, it's only about a couple of tenths. Really, I wouldn't. I, I do. I'm a great believer, and there are things in, in testing you can read into it. But the fastest lap is not one of them. Um, Lewis wasn't very. He didn't seem very energised by the test. He seemed a little bit kind of down and negative by the whole thing the whole time. Um, you know, it's a, it's a known fact he doesn't like testing. You know, he's not, the, he, you know, he'd been around in Schumacher's day. He'd not been volunteering for a Tuesday to Wednesday run down Hereth every other week, that's for sure. Um, but he then, he's energised by racing. He's energised by what he does. So, you know, whether there's a different car to Bahrain for the race, it's certainly a different to Lewis Hamilton who turns up. Um, you know, and, and he's won seven. What does he have to prove? You know, he's on the, on the cusp of 100 poles, a little bit further away from 100 wins. The story about Lewis is is not so much what he does this year because he will he will drive the car to the maximum of that car is available and sometimes he'll go above it. So if Mercedes give him a race winning car, he'll win races. If Mercedes give him a car that can sometimes win races, he'll win races more often than he should because that's who he is. Um, the question really is, uh, will the fact that this looks like being a much closer season energize him and make him think oh, well, I want to carry on doing this for a few years it might say no this is a bit busy you know, I'll, I'll win this one and then I'll, I'll, I'll eight and out you know that's the real the story is 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 Lewis's long-term future in F1 or is it this is, is this his, his final swan song his last lap of honour in which case I'm sure he'll be looking to win but the fact is he's still over 23 races the best driver on the grid he's you know he is the he is the consummate talent other drivers are very, very good. But you, if you were going to say, right, you can choose one driver to, to, to run all 23 races, nobody in their right mind wouldn't choose Lewis because he's got it all. He's, he can qualify, he can race, he can, he can conserve tyres, he can overtake, he can defend, he can run to a time. Yeah, he is the, the perfect F1 driver of this era. But the era's end, era's change. And there's always a change in the guard. And whether that change in the guard will happen on the track or happen due to him retiring, it'll happen probably sooner rather than later but yeah there's no there's nothing to think that lewis won't be as quick as lewis this year it's just whether the cars is quick he did have a fairly spectacular off in testing though that's what testing's for the, the person who if, you know if we if we went back to the the, the, the days of, of F, f1 like 10 15 years ago the person who, who crashed who, who spun the most was michael schumacher and that's because he found the limit of falling off and then coming back from it he wasn't you know when it didn't matter he wasn't bothered about spinning off or anything. Where it did matter, it didn't happen, and that's the point. That's why the, the, the spins, you know, the spins look. A couple of the spins looked quite layering. Certainly on the the end of the first stage, in the sandstorm, the car looked horrendous. But you know, there is a combination. There, there is an issue with that car. The Mercedes car does have rear end instability. Um, that'll be a result, obviously, of of, of the fact the car was designed 
uh, for certain aerodynamic regulations. They've had to change the aero regs, and mostly that's taken downforce away from the rear. That will negate, require them to look at different setups. It will require them to look at different aero balances. And, you know, perhaps they didn't get where they wanted to go, but they're, they're, they're going to walk away uh, with what, two weeks worth of, say, three days worth of testing to analyse, 24 hours of, of the car going around, barring the bits when it wasn't because of damage. And that's what they'll be doing in Brackley. They'll be analysing, and the, and the car which rolls into the, the pit lane in Bahrain will be significantly better than the car which left. But whether it's good enough, that's another question. The car seemed a lot better on long runs, so with massive or full fuel tanks than it did when it was going out to yeah, a couple of laps. And that's what tells you that there isn't a, there isn't actually a inherent aerodynamic balance because an unbalanced car is an unbalanced car. It doesn't matter what you stick at it; it's still unbalanced. Um, but obviously, by when the car gets a bit lighter, you know there's a different way, it, and you're trying to lean on the tires a bit more. If you if you are when you're running a 136 race lap, you're 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 never as close to the edge of the envelope as you are when running a 129 qualifying lap. And therefore, if you are a little bit edgy. That's when it's going to fall over the edge. But the point about that is that's a setup thing. That's a that's an adjustment. That's what they they, they will hope to find. But they're racing against a team in Red Bull who seems to have got their car nailed first time. So there's a lot of work to do, and they know it. But you know, history says they might be able to do it. But it's very very likely we're going to end up with you know Red Bull fastest in Bahrain and, and Mercedes playing catch up for a couple of races. What about Valtteri Bottas? He's a lovely man. Reinventing himself again. Yeah, apparently, yes. Apparently, when I think I think they go all bare grills over the winter and get cold or something and make and try yes. pain and selfishness and well, he's tried porridge that didn't work. Then he tried coffee and that didn't work. And now he's trying swimming um, in ice, swimming in ice and survival skills. So you know, I mean, in fairness, the car looked better in practice when Valtteri was in it because I just felt that Valtteri was more engaged with the whole process, to be honest. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he, Valtteri, Valtteri is not as bad a racer as everyone says he is. He's just not as good as Lewis, which is realistic. There's 18, there's, not, there's about 17 drivers who aren't as good as Lewis. Two are almost as good. Then there's Lewis, so it's not really in the world. Uh, how much do you think Mercedes were sandbagging over the weekend? I don't think they were at all. I don't think that, 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 but they were doing what they always do. They, they tend to run quite a lot of fuel um, compared to the others. I... My feeling is that the Honda may have been an engine mode higher. Certainly the Honda and the Alpha Tauri was an engine mode higher, whether the, the main team was doing it as well. Um, no, they were running a low engine mode. They were running plenty of fuel because you learn more when there's plenty of fuel. Um, no, that, that's not sandbagging. That's a sensible testing. That's not going for glory. That's not doing a, that's not doing a Prost in 2002, which got the rules changed. They ran to wait for the whole time to get sponsors. You don't, you know, they've got all the sponsors they need. You know, they, 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 there was nothing for them to gain to chase a time that wasn't there by, by you know, veering away from where they are. They're not trying to impress anybody. But, you know, they have problems, but they aren't the problems you feel are insurmountable, but they may not be surmountable in 10 days. They have got one bit of advantage, of course, Tim, and that, which would already have happened mm-hmm. by the time. They, they of course, they, 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 had a, um, they had a private, one of their private test days, didn't they, at Bahrain? Uh, filming day. Yeah, sorry, filming day. So they, they would have already have tried a couple of things on that filming day. But filming days, you're really restricted as to how much distance you can do, how much fast you can go. Yeah, but if you've got two ideas you want to try, which you'd have to try and pre-practice one, and don't forget, they will know from trying them at X kilometres an hour, what they, they can extrapolate what will happen at X plus kilometres an hour. 
you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a the, the teams don't do it for filming. They do it for they, they do. And if it wasn't valuable, they wouldn't do it. You know, you know, they have no desire just to run cars around for the sake of it. It's expensive. So it's a it's it's a very well timed extra uh, extra hundred kilometers. You know, which where they can try a couple of things. You know, and perhaps they've already got a couple of theories which which Brackley had thought about, and they'll try those out. It'll, all that's doing is saving them ten laps of the shortened, of course, free practice for uh, next season. Okay, so at the end of the season, where do you see Lewis Hamilton in the table? I see him first. Okay. And Valtteri Bottas? I see him third. Third. Not really, I'm not really breaking much new ground with this, am I? I'm, you're not. We're, we're looking very much at uh, a situation we've seen many times before. Yes, but it's, it all depends how close it is, doesn't it? Uh, well, I, I haven't, I haven't you, said that. If you're say. interested in watching racing, then absolutely. If you're only interested in winning a championship, then which... well, it's, it's not going to be. It's not going to be decided three races from the end. That's for sure. Uh, Nick Damon has predicted that uh, Mercedes will uh, drivers will finish first and third in the drivers' championship. Where is Mercedes the team going to finish? They're going to win the championship. Easy. Uh, next, we move on to McLaren. The McLaren's an interesting car because coming into testing, that car should not have been very good, frankly. The car was designed for a Renault engine, and then because the rules got the new rules for 2022, well, now for 2022, got delayed by a year. So McLaren never intended to run this car with a Mercedes engine in the back of it. So they've had to re engineer the car to shoehorn a Mercedes power unit in the place of a Renault, which is a completely different shape. That means they've had to change the back end of the monocoque and the front end of the gearbox. As a result, the FIA said you can't have any development tokens. So it's really last year's car with a Mercedes shoehorned in. However, it seems like the the McLaren aerodynamicists were a little bit lively over the winter and got up to plenty of development. They've come along with a very interesting diffuser. It's got, they've taken advantage of a little loophole in the regulations that allows them to run bigger central diffuser strakes along the sort of gearbox housing, the underside of the gearbox housing. And that could give them quite a significant boost in downforce. It's not quite Braun GP double diffuser territory, you know, that Honda RA109 was developed around and the Toyota as well. Um, it is, though, something that could bring great benefits. Elsewhere on the car, there's still quite a lot of nice little developments on it as well. They've changed the cooling system. They've made quite a lot of other detailed differences. And the car seems quite together around the circuit. So they could spring a few surprise results, I think. Is Danny Rick going to be faster than Lando in the same car? Um, it's interesting. I mean, you, you would think, based on what they've achieved, where they are in their careers, then probably yes. Uh, Lando, though, of course, is the established driver in there a couple of years. Um, Lando was, was better than science on a Saturday and not as good on a Sunday, or perhaps science was better than Lando on Sunday, but that's you know, a lot of his experience. Danny Rick is a very good qualifier, so that Saturday battle may well swing back towards Danny, and he's a very good racer. So, you know, now it appears that McLaren have got a pretty good car underneath them. It's going to be down to the drivers to deliver, and it's very, very hard to do. You kind of know what Danny's going to do. Danny's going to, Danny's going to have 
19 really good races and four which don't quite go to their plan. He'll just, he'll just disappear slightly. But he'll be, he'll be there or thereabouts. And sometimes he'll be qualifying the car as, as well as it can. And, and he'll drive some very aggressive races. So some some reason will fade away. It's always what he's done. Um, Lando, 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 you know, he's only two years in. He's a very young. He's formed a very close relationship with Carlos Sainz, which was quite a clever thing to do. It kind of took all focus away from the individual. They were seen as a, as a pair. He out-qualified Sainz both years. He's very, very quick. He's learning. He's getting faster. I think it's a much more of a challenge to beat Danny. And, and I think Danny will end up being ahead of him, um, but not enough to destroy his career. Or even probably not even damage his career. It's just it, people are expecting Danny to be a little bit ahead. And I think he'll be a little bit ahead. New engine, of course, this year. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was one of the stories. Obviously, they, they didn't have any tokens to play. They couldn't fiddle with the car because all the bits had been mandated by the change from the Renault to the Mercedes engine, which is a big change. You know, it's, it's, the ancillary is in completely different places. You know, the, the cooling is completely different. All those requirements, it had to do with the basic layout you had for a different engine. I mean, let's be honest, the last time we had a last-minute engine swap to Mercedes, it went quite well, didn't it? Yes. So, you know, yeah, and, and so... Admittedly, it was from Honda to Mercedes rather than from Renault to Mercedes. But, you know, it's got some previous that can, that can work quite well. Um, of course, referring to the 2009 Braun, um, dear listener. So they've obviously got it, got it sorted out. It's landed. They've got a trick diffuser. They've, they've been clever. They've, they were reliable. They you know, of the Mercedes teams, they're the ones who were quick and reliable. We had Williams who were reliable and Mercedes who were quick. And Aston Martin had a test as horribilis. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I think they'd be really pleased. I think that I think that they have carried on this upswing um, through this major engine change, whilst also being limited on on development. So it's 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 all looking positive for McLaren. Where's their weak point going to be? Well, it's it's interesting. They're, they are sitting on a, a chassis and elements that were designed for last year, but then you know it, it really depends how much development they want to do. They have been relatively good at developing the car. It's when they decide not to. Um, so when they decide they're going to switch to the, the focus on this completely new car, I think realistically you kind of feel that they will be more limited in development terms by the compromise they had to make to get it to work in the first place than some of the other teams. So they may find it more difficult to develop the car. But, you know, this is a really weird year for development. At some point, a lot of teams are going to go, well, I don't really care if I'm fifth or sixth. I'm going to start concentrating on next year. So it'd be interesting to see where they hit the ground, where, where, whether the, how close they are to, to Red Bull and, and Mercedes at the start, because it could be very close. It could be really close. It could be you know, on a par with, or it could be three-quarters second back like it always has been before for the, the, the team behind the top two. What's your gut, gut feeling, though? Oh, I think, I think that they are pretty much um, going to be fighting with probably Ferrari, for third place Ferrari who I think will improve over the season more than the other teams I think that, 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 that McLaren will land in third and Ferrari and they'll also be fighting with half of Alpine and is it better to have a reliable car that you can make faster or a fast car that you can make more reliable it's always better to have a fast it's much easier to make a fast car reliable than a reliable car fast so There's could they be in moment. trouble with that well, not really, because the only unreliable car at the moment has the same engine as theirs, which is the Aston Martin, who may come through. But you can't, you know, it's a weird thing to say with a four-time world champion. But you kind of think that they don't have, that their driver lineup isn't as good as McLaren's. 
you know, Lance Stroll is, is great four times a year and Fettel's coming off the back of a terrible season. And you, 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 know, you hope he improves because you hope that the, the concept of class being permanent and form being temporary is correct, but we don't know. Where in the final Drivers' Championship will we see uh, these two drivers? I think Danny is going to be fifth. Okay. I'm now having to fill in all the gaps to work out where everyone fits. I think Lando's going to be eighth. Lando, eighth. Fifth. Yeah. Okay, next I'm going to move on to Alpine uh, as the fourth team we're going to talk about. Now, technically, they weren't fourth fastest in the test at Bahrain, uh, but I think they should have been. Do you agree? Um, it's hard to tell. Engine modes and, uh, you know, it was there's some quite headline-grabbing stuff by um, AlphaTauri, to be honest. But, yeah, I mean, they, they look good and they look reliable and they look chunky. They look like a lovely Liget from the mid-70s. Yes. It's, it's, it's almost a French bulge, that, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I've heard someone else using uh, describe, uh, comparing it to a mattress, but it is an yes, Alpine. It had, yeah, it had that kind of t t top thing. Yes, uh, they have made quite a lot of changes to the cooling system, taking a lot of coolers out of the side pods and sticking them up high behind the driver's head. That raises the centre of gravity, but really sucks in the side of the car. More airflow flowing flowing around the side of the car, and just making benefit of the rear floor changes and trying to just get the aero working on it. They introduced a big update on the second day of the test, so they're really developing that car hard already, I think under the influence of a certain Spanish driver. However, he's also come out and said the car isn't very quick. Um, I think for them it's going to be a bit of a challenging year, but that Spaniard could produce the odd flourish of performance. Well, he's he's, he's a brave little ch chappy, isn't he, with his jaw problem? Um yeah, I think I mean, he, he, he looked very good. He hit the ground and he was metronomic, which is you know what you expect from Fernando, isn't it? He's been a guy who's just just you know he's not he's had he's had a sabbatical. He's not had a a he's not coming back from retirement like drivers have in the past. You know he's been very very active. He's won a world championship in Le Mans. He's he's taken part in Indian the Dakar. So he's been a, an active racing driver. So he's not you know he's been heavily involved with the Alpine project for the last. Um, what six seven months since it was announced so he's, he's more like coming back yes he's 39 40 but you know, we've had plenty of people win world championships above 40 um it's really about it's not actually about skill at that time it's about motivation it's the motivation that leaves these older drivers much more than the actual skill but as long as you have the desire you can drive a car at 40 as well as you can drive it at 25 um you know you, you swap reactions for experience and so it's you know it's a, it's a pretty even trade-off unfortunately um, i was rubbish at 25 so i'm well, still going to be rubbish now in you're fairness, that's a problem a lot of us have around here so yeah i mean also it's great it's great to see him back i mean i think you know he's he's looking i, I don't know whether he how happy or sad he was with the test it was incredibly reliable he'd be putting a lot of laps I'm not sure the alpine had the exact ultra pace to be honest but again it's hard to tell in testing they may well have not been going for it it didn't look super quick um, it did look super solid. I don't think they were going for speed, though. I'm not sure that's something that they had on their test program. No, I know what you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it, 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 it was, it was a good, um, a 
good test. And I think, you know, again, I think I think the biggest issue in that team really is what happens to Ocon because if Ocon's in a bit behind nothing. Because if he if he kind of beats Alonso or gets close to Alonso, I guess Alonso was was, was kind of you know, a spent force. And if if what happens as we expect, he gets beaten by Alonso, his career's over. So he's in a bit of a rock and a hard place. Um, he didn't impress against Ricciardo last year. He was coming on strong towards the end, but. You know, it's it's going to be a difficult year for Esteban. He's he's really going to have to do something spectacular on a couple of occasions to stop what Alpine want to do, which is to sign Pierre Gasly. So, big is it actually a bigger year, oddly, for Ocon than it is for Alonso. And how did they compare in testing? Do you know what? I have no idea. They were doing different. They were, they were all, they were all different, different times days, yeah, and different times and everything else. But yeah, Alcon looked fine. Don't get me wrong; he didn't do anything wrong. But he, again, it's testing. It's, it, it's problems being on race days, not not trolling around doing twenty six laps on the on the C two tire. Uh, okay, so Alpine Renault. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there have been management changes as well yes. over, over the last. Year. Yeah, I think. I think I think Fernando's now in charge, isn't he? Uh, who's really in charge, though? Well, who knows? It's uh, is it David A. Brivio? Is it um, do they go his name's escaping me completely at the moment? Embarrassingly, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, yeah, they got they, they've yeah, getting rid of Sula Beatable is a massive plus point because he was he's been out of his depth, the team principal, for the last five years. So that uh, yeah, that was a a, a brilliant. Brilliant move or lack of move. Uh, Rivio is, is a marvelous man manager and knows how to to win things. He won the uh, MotoGP title last year with Suzuki. They must have a structure and they must all understand it, and it'll be tested when things start to go wrong. Where do you see Fernando Alonso finishing in the 2021 Formula One World Championship for drivers? Seventh. Seventh. And Esteban Ocon uh, quite considerably lower, I suspect. I have Ocon down as 13th. What do you think about the team? Fifth. Mm. Uh, I want to talk next about Alpha Tauri. Yes, what lovely white wheels. Uh, white wheels, yes. White wheels. Specifically, want to talk about a quote uh, last week from uh, Franz Toast, uh, who said that uh, uh, the aim of the team is to finish in the top five. Of teams? Yes. I think that'll be a challenge. I think the car looked really good. The car looked well-developed. The car looked stable. The car looked nicely designed. The car looked quick, though I think it was benefiting from perhaps slightly higher Honda engine modes. Uh, Gasly looked very good. Sonoda did a great job for a first test and, you know, did a couple of, um, you know, headline-grabbing, you know, glory runs towards the end. The car looked great. I mean, it didn't seem to have any vices. Whether it's super quick and whether everyone else turns up with their A-game, you know, people like Ferrari, people like Aston Martin, people like McLaren, people like Alpine. Whether they'll be able to beat them on a regular basis, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's, and I think probably not. Um, you know, they, they had a good finish the last season. But what happened with AlvaTauri is often they were battling for ninth and 10th. You know, they had the standout win, of course. when things, But, you know, they were there at the right time when things went wrong for other people. But there's nothing to really say that they're going to be you know, in the top three teams and challenging for those first six, seven, eight positions. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's a challenge. I do think what they're going to have to do, though, is hit the ground running. I think Alvatore are going to get their points in the first half of the season. 
you know, the big points. That's when they got a real chance. I think they have a little bit of an advantage over some of the teams at the moment, but that will erode very quickly. Probably the most clever car in Formula One this year. It's actually last year's ATO one monocoques. They haven't made new monocoques this year. They grabbed last year's cars, took apart the front of them. And I mean, when I say take apart, I mean they cut into the, the carbon fibre, took out some the old steering system, the old suspension system, and sort of somehow managed to install last year's Red Bull steering system into the front of this year's Alpha Tauri, which normally would have required a new monocoque but they've managed to do it just within the restrictions of the token system and have managed to, and they spent their tokens on the nose of the car and they've managed to exploit the regulations to the absolute maximum in that, in that area. They've also got a new Honda power unit, that new Honda power unit. It's really looking like quite a together car. And despite a bit of DRS abuse in some hot laps, Yuki Snowda, set the fastest lap in testing and everybody looking on going, yeah, that was actually genuinely a good lap, regardless of fuel levels and everything like that. Interestingly, all, a lot of the parts on the Alpha Tauri come from the 2020 Red Bull, apart from the gearbox. And it is rumoured, and I heard, I've heard various talk of it in the paddock, that the gearbox from the 2020 Red Bull was the, what caused a lot of the problems with the handling on that car last year. So AlphaTauri have avoided using last year's Red Bull gearbox, sticking with the old one from 2019. And I think as a car, that looks pretty together and could be, you know, a bit of a dark horse if it wasn't painted quite bright white at the back. They did the second highest number of laps in the test, so that suggests that this could be quite a reliable car as well. Well, it's just when the engine's turned down and they're running at Bahrain, it's reliable. Um you know, we have seen Honda have a lot of issues during races. However, they had no, no issues we know of during this test, which obviously bodes exceptionally well for both teams. But I don't remember having that many engine problems in the last tests either. So it's you know, it's a question, isn't it? You just don't know. You don't know whether engines were being changed overnight um, or anything. But um, it's, you know, the Honda power needs to be more reliable than last year. Um, they worked on it very heavily for both teams, and it may well be. But that's another unknown, and that's an unknown that will stay an unknown <laughs> all the way through to race 20 of the 23, when we see whether they need to take a fourth, fifth, or whatever it may, engine part, or, or IC, you know, or control electronics, or whatever it may be. Let's talk about uh, Pierre Gasly. He got his mm-hmm. first Formula One victory last season. Uh, yeah. Is he going to follow that up with more this year? No. He's not going to win any races this year, unless we. Yeah, you know, he won race that race to an incredible sort of set of circumstances, um, and you know we were lucky to get two weird races last year. I mean, I don't think we're due for many more, but you, know, you can never tell. But I don't, it's not his turn to win a weird one, so no. Uh, Pierre's very good. Pierre just has, Pierre just keeps needs to keep that upward trend uh, in perception, and you know get himself, and then he'll get himself out of the the Red Bull. Um, program which has obviously effectively said look you are alpha tower and that's it we're never promoting you uh back to the main team which is fair enough um and he perhaps then get up to alpine and that's you know develop his career from there and his uh new teammate yuki sonoda what do you know yeah. about him well obviously he did pretty, he did pretty well in in uh formula two he's becoming the first driver born in the 21st century to start a race in uh, in a few days time and he is um 
the real deal. He's done 100 races. He looks really, really good. I think he's, uh, you know, people go, oh, has he been promoted too quickly? Nope, he's been promoted at the right time. He's done Formula 3, Formula 2 and Formula 4. So he's done the ladder. Done it quickly, but he's done it. And I think, you know, he is a, he's got good little bit of race craft. We've seen from F2 to the back end of the season. I don't think he'll be out of his depth. I think he'll get beaten by Gazi to begin with. Um, and his hope will be towards the back end of the season to be matching him. But he's a good driver. And it's great to see a, a Japanese driver with a real chance of uh, of progressing up the uh, the stratosphere of F1 because Japan deserves it as a country. They've been massive F1 fans for years. Now, you know that uh, my specialist subject is the junior single-seater formula. And I'm one of these people who does think that a second season in Formula 2 would have been a much uh, a great benefit to him because this year's Formula 2 season, whereas last year there were a lot of really good drivers, this year a lot of them have either moved on uh, into Formula 1 or moved out to somewhere else. And I think... Uh, for Yuki Tsunoda, it would have been an easy way to win a championship. Oh, I don't know. You've got Robert Schwartzman still there, so I'm not sure about that, Tim. Okay. Where will Yuki Tsunoda finish the 2021 Formula One Drivers World Championship? 12th. And where will Pierre Gasly finish? 10th. I would say the team will finish 6th. We move on to Aston Martin, a brand new team in Formula One, which is uh, completely different to uh, uh, a team which was around last year called Force India. Uh, Even though the car's pretty much the same, it's just green, not pink. Aston Martin, the team formerly known as Racing Point, uh, previously known as Force India, Jordan, Midland, Spiker and various other things. So there's a lot of talk about this car. It looks visually a lot like, again, the 2019 Mercedes championship winning car. But that's actually, the differences are actually really only skin deep and only really around the nose. The rest of the car is actually very much Aston Martin's own work. It's Mm -hmm. the only team on the grid to install a new monocoque, as far as we're aware. They spent their tokens on a new rear section of the the chassis, and that meant they could move. They could change the cooling ducting around the back of the uh, the monocoque. They've lowered the side impact structure. That's a big job. That's a complete re-engineer of the the, the chassis. Um, they've changed the some of the things around the aero a little bit, but they've clearly, from working in the Mercedes wind tunnel, have come up with some similar solutions around the floor. But everything else on that car has had an upgrade over the racing point. So it's got the 2020 Mercedes rear suspension. It's got the front and rear suspension. It's got the 2020 Mercedes gearbox. It's got the 2021 Mercedes power unit. It's got the 2020 Mercedes electronics and basically everything else they can get their hands on. That car should be quite good. However, it is a low rake car. And as we heard earlier, those low-rate cars are suffering a bit more with these new regulations. And also, the first test was a bit of a shocker for them. A lot of time in the garage, not a lot of reliability. There was a lot of swallowing the Kool-Aid by the uh, the people in the commentary booth. I don't even listen to it. They kept saying, this is a completely new team. It's a completely different thing from anything you've ever seen before. And I said, it's still Lawrence Stroll's team. It's still run out of Eddie's old factory in Silverstone. It's not completely new. It has no lineage with the Aston. It doesn't matter. None of this is a problem. It is Aston Martin, but don't don't you know? Don't kid a kid. Don't try and say this is you know. We know what it is. It's the evolution of a Formula One racing team. All the teams, with the exception, I think, of Ferrari, have evolved from something else. So it's not a bad thing. When Haas, of course, who started from scratch, they've all evolved from something else, and that's 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 the the 
the way of the world. McLaren haven't really evolved. They did, of course, change in 1970, 1980 when, when Ron took over. They've evolved slightly. Anyway, but the point about it is, is that's fine. That they are new and they are establishing their own history. And, you know, there was kind of a big thing about, oh, they were, well, last time they left one, they didn't do very well in 1959. I think this isn't really pertinent because I don't think that anything of the 1959 organisation exists. Even you, know. you don't remember the 1959 season, Nick. No, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Get me not remembering things before I was born. But yeah, you know, they're, they're playing up the romance. They're playing up the, the Aston, you know, the, the name. It is obviously a, a, a great name, a great brand to be into F1 and everything was looking great. Um, the problem was they had a race. Until the car went the out on track. Well, no, because then... it's no, we watched the launch and the launch was stilted with lots of annoying gaps, and that was exactly the same as the test. So we have a turbo problem, we have a gearbox problem, uh, we have electrical an electrical problem. problem. Yep. Um, None of which would be an issue very much if there'd been six days of testing. Mm. With only three days of testing, it's meant they've not got the running they, they, they needed to get, and especially with Sebastian, who didn't get enough laps. And that will be a problem because, you know, it's, it is a big these, – these days it isn't the case you hop in from car A to car B because it's, it's, it's not just accelerator, brake and steering. There's 79 million billion controls you've got to get used to and, you know, you're not just, oh, well, I need to change my diff setting to three. Yeah, that's great, but you need to understand what that means. And, and doing your diff setting on the Ferrari may do a completely different thing to diff settings on, a, on a, an Aston Martin and you need to get used to the engines. So, yeah, it is, it is an unfortunate thing for, for Fettel, but, you know, he is a four-time world champion. Um, that was a long time ago now, though, Nick. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm, I, I, I hope he does well, but you know, I'm, my, I'm on that very much on that fence about whether he will. You're not one of uh, Lance Stroll's biggest fans either, though. So... I'm not one of Lance Stroll's biggest detractors either, because I recognise that Lance Stroll actually is a very good driver, because no one gets a pole in the wet. They're not a very good driver. The problem for him is he's got he's quick but he's got the one fault that is really hard to solve and that's between his ears i don't think he's mentally strong enough for f1 and it, it manifests itself obviously initially with issues qualifying and it manifested itself when he melted down whilst having a chance in turkey as things started to go um you know he he didn't start he had we started on pole in monza and, and blew it and he was also unlucky he was unlucky to catch covid he was unlucky to have that spin while doing a putting in a good performance it wasn't spin so he had a, a, a failure uh, in mugello so he, he's wrongly lambasted for being the son of a, of a billionaire and that's why he's there He's an F3 champion. He would be good enough for an F1 seat, um, you know, in, 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 anyway. But he, he, he really needs to get his act together mentally, and he needs to put stream together a season. Um, so I don't know what he's been doing over the winter to, to change that, but that's what he needs to do. And I have no idea whether he's going to finally grow up. He's still very young, of course, Lance. I think people forget he, he looks quite, he looks a bit older. He's, I don't think he's, was he, he's 22, 23, still very young, but he just needs to get that kick. He needs to get that development very quickly, i.e. this year, to start proving the faith that people have shown him. Does he have a chance of beating Fettel, not just in a race, but over the course of the season? It depends which Fettel turns up, doesn't it, really? Um, no, if you get the Fettel of 17, of, of, of between the years 2008 and 2013, or the, or the guy who was racing in 16, 17 and 18, no, he's not going to beat him. 
Um, if he gets the guy from 2014 or 2019 or 2020, he probably yeah, yeah he's got a very good chance. And you're right, he is only 22, so that's uh, 11 Everyone's, years younger than Seb. And I think everyone thinks he's older than that. You know, people people don't underestimate how overestimate, but they, they think he's older than he is, basically. <laughs> he, yeah. he, it feels like he's been around a long time, but this yeah, is only going to be his fourth he, season, is it? Yeah, but I'm going to come back, and I completely think he should have spent next year in the junior series. He came up too quickly. He, he would have really benefited from a year out, another year in the junior series. Because he still would have got to F1 because his dad's he, cat. He still have got to F1, but I'm not sure he'd have uh, been an F2 champion. No, but he would have benefited from the extra year of learning and mental preparation and everything else. This is not this is not about him winning anything. This is about him... Because certain people are going to get there anyway when you've got that much money and you've got a super license, you're going to get there. But it's... Whether that's, whether that's actually the right time to do it. Because he had options. Often people just have to have to say, yes, I, can only do, I have to do it this year. I've got no choice. It's being offered. He had he had money brings you choice, isn't it? And that would have given him a choice. But it doesn't matter. It is what it is. His starting season was it four or five? Let's see what happens. You know, I I, I think you know he 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 needs his 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 problem. I said before, it's between his ears, and it's down to him to sort it out. And obviously, uh, Sebastian uh, just needs to find motivation here, does he? I don't think he was necessarily demotivated. I think he needs a bit of love. I think he needs to feel wanted. I think, yeah, that's certainly what he felt when he was at Red Bull and and for some of his time at Ferrari. Um, you know, I think he's quite an emotional guy. He's and yeah, he just needs a little bit of, bit of you know backslapping and, and encouragement. You know, I, I would love to see Seb back at full at full pace. You know, and and doing what he does well. And obviously, he isn't going to be on the intense glare as scrutiny as he was at um, Maranello. So that's obviously going to give you a level of relaxation straight away. But there's still a lot to be done. But I do, you know, I, right, I want to see him do really, really well. Genuinely. I'm just very concerned he won't. Where is Sebastian Vettel going to finish this year's Drivers' well, Championship? Well, I've taken the advantage of whilst we've been talking to actually fill out the whole 20. And I've actually, I'm not predicting a very good year for um, uh, Aston Martin because I've got Vettel as 11th. And uh, that means that uh, Lance Stroll, if he's not going to beat him, can't be any higher than 14th. He is 14th, you're absolutely right. Sam, what do you think? Testing was bad. And that's that's a little bit why I'm going to make the prediction that I'm going to make. But I will caveat that with the fact that they could improve drastically as the season goes on. Uh, where are they going to finish? Seventh. Okay, next we move on to Ferrari. Bit of a mystery mobile, that red car. Um, again, we know where they've made their, their token spend. They've introduced a new transmission casing, new gearbox casing. That's allowed them to change around the rear suspension, get a bit of aerodynamic benefit out of it. Interestingly, they claim they've also changed the rear suspension system, which would incur two tokens. So what I think they've done is move around the components a bit and find a better way of working. It. Essentially a case of all the same ingredients, but a different recipe, which is allowed within the system. That's given them some aero fixes at the rear of the car. Of course, they now have a power unit that works at full noise. We've all heard the rumours that Ferrari last year as part of their penalty for perhaps being doing something a little bit naughty at the end of 2019 we never really did find out was that they had to run their all of the Ferrari power units had to run at a lower fuel flow rate 
last season well they're back on full noise this season and i think even though the test wasn't particularly conclusive i think that car is looking quite together and i think again it's another team that's found all of the holes in the uh, token system and it's really pushed its development i think there's a lot to come from those red cars but in the test it was really underwhelming it it was it was as if they were running last year's terrible car again yeah, they were, but it was testing. And I think people are reading far too much into one three-day test where the teams are just working through their programs and not going for lap times. They were just up to their own thing. And the team didn't seem like this is going to be another dismal year. It was more like, well, yeah, this is going to be better. They paid the penance for cheating, so let's let's hope they can improve. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the car was un, unimpressive. Um it didn't appear to have any major problems. The reports from other Ferrari engine users were the engine. The engine was way better. So that was, you know, independently verified. They found a lot of the horsepower they didn't have last year. So that's going to be because they, because one of the advantage of being so far behind is actually there was a quite a easy gain in some of it, you know. But the thing about it is, is, is I, I don't know whether they really wanted to be like mired in the midfield. But obviously, the last thing they wanted to do was show particularly well and overexcite the Italian press. So flying below the radar, Matteo Binotto saying, yes, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. We've, we're faster on the straight, which means we've solved our power against drag issue. Um, it's a solid test. They got a lot of miles in. Um, that might be what they're aiming for. Um, that's, what I, that's what you have to think. That that's what they're aiming for. But they, would, they, they actually wanted to be... Um, not talked about and you really don't like the color scheme at the back do you no it's awful the green's awful and the way it goes from mauve to black it doesn't make any sense it genuinely looks like someone's designed it you know you know when you get those design our livery combine the the best of the last 71 years and someone has just literally kind of done really bad photoshop and cut three cars together yeah it looks awful but you know uh okay charles claire Yes, very good driver. Um, hopefully the car is a bit better. He won't keep, keep trying too hard, which was his problem last year. It's over-trying. Certainly the first laps of races, hence the reason he took out, or he took out uh, Perez, um, sort of took out, well, the seven took himself out in Sakir, and obviously uh, Charles hit Lance Stroll in um, Russia and did a couple of other things. So, yeah, he's great. He's a really good driver. He's a really good bloke. Um, hopefully he keep the drive and the motivation up, and the car is good enough that he hasn't got to overdrive it. And Carlos Sainz, new to the team. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting because Carlos Sainz is kind of, he's had a strange career when he's been, you know, he, he was almost as fast as Max Verstappen, but Verstappen was the chosen child at that time in, in Alpha, in, um, well, Alpha Terry wasn't, of course, it was, it was Toro Ross at that point. Um, he was blocked from going into the main team because he fell out with, well, the rumours is that Carlos Sainz Sr. fell out with, um, Jos Verstappen and then they didn't really like each other and there was a problem they didn't want to have him back in the same team again he then found an exit strategy from Red Bull went to Renault Renault dumped him quite unceremoniously after a very short amount of time but he found himself at McLaren uh, and he has had himself as a great racer at McLaren you know, did put some really good race runs in now he's gone to Ferrari has a lot of advantages you know, speaks Italian um, let's see how good he really is I don't, I've no reason to suspect he's not a great driver but you know, you don't, he doesn't He's not one of the guys you sit around going, oh, he's, he's a, you know, a future world champion on pure talent, but he is a very good Formula 1 driver. We're not expecting him, expecting him to come anywhere close to uh, Charles Leclerc this year, are we? Just because 
it's his first season. Well, it depends because yeah. It, well, I think over the season he will not be as Charles Leclerc will seem to be better over the season. There's a possibility, of course, he may end up with more points because he may be the, the, one of the races where he's better might be the race where it falls in his way and they get a hat full of points. Um, but no, you would think on a, on a, on nine out of ten seasons, uh, Charles would finish ahead of Carlos. And is uh, Binotto the right man to lead Ferrari? Well, that's a question and a half. I don't know if anyone can lead Ferrari at the moment. Um, the last successful person to lead Ferrari in a, in a oddly fair way, which is hardly I think, a fair, not not in any way cheating, was of course he's on top. Um, and then you know the the as we often talked about that that Northern European influence helped the team. Um, Ferrari got under what another reorganisation or two reorganisations of their management. Um, you know, they should be doing better than they are. There's, no, there's nothing, there's no particular reason they're doing as badly as they have done. So you see, you've got money, you've got people, you've got a, a good manufacturing base, you aren't wanting for anything. So structure is a problem. Have they got the right person in front to, to change that structure? I really can't tell you because a lot of the problems he inherited from uh, from Rizzio then is uh, very much more sullen dictatorship. It's a great question, Tim. I can't answer it. I, I, I could, could, reason being, it's like when you get to a Premier League team, we're going, right, we're going to sack Barry, and you go, well, yeah, who are you going to get? Who's going to do better? And that's your problem, isn't it? What? Who is the replacement who is going to improve things dramatically instantly? So Charles Leclerc, where's his finishing position? Sixth. Sixth. Yes. Where you've not got anyone so far. I know. Charles Leclerc is sixth, and Carlos Sainz. Ninth. Ninth. Okay, so next I'm going to move on to uh, Williams. No, you're not. You haven't asked me where Ferrari are going to finish in the Constructors' Championship. Sam, where are Ferrari going to finish in the Constructors' Championship? They're going to finish fourth, Tim. Fourth. Mm. Let's move on to Williams with uh, George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. They were so confident they were prepared to use the car as a rental car on the first day of the test. And, uh, and sell it uh, a day's testing to Roy Nissany, which is very nice. Uh, a visit is relatively. Um, and then give it a full day to Nicholas Tiffy on Saturday and a full day to George Russell on the Sunday. Metronomic reliability. Um, don't The colour scheme is a bit... Well, it takes them getting used. I don't think it, it's just still... I'm not quite sure about it. Lacking any I major like sponsors. It. Do you? Well, there we are. It's, it's a divisive then. Uh, Doors and Capital have put their money in their mouth here. You've got Yost... Capito, we have to call him now, don't we? Not Capito, apparently. It's Capito uh, in the management chain. The car is very much sim- very much last year's car with some bits glued onto it, but those bits are quite substantial. They've changed the cooling package significantly. They've done a little bit of aero work here, there, and everywhere. And the car seems to have had a little bit of a breakthrough, but the team are sort of... They've been very cagey about the details of what they've done. They Apparently, they spent one token on the car last year. Didn't say where. And there's only very limited items that you can spend a single token on. Sort of, you know, changing your brake material mm-hmm. is a token. It's it's not big stuff. So a little bit of a mystery why they did that. They've not spent any more tokens since then. And they aren't going to spend any more. The car, of course, has this year's Mercedes power unit but it's mated to last year's Williams transmission. It's the last sort of uh, aluminium-cased transmission in Formula One. Some people yeah. are reporting it's the Mercedes transmission. It's not. That's wrong. That's for 2022 they're going to use that, though, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, they're going to switch to the Mercedes parts for, for next season. Um, so the car is still very much what it is, what it was last year. However, 
the team seemed to have make it, made a breakthrough on how it operates. And they said they know that it's going to be a bit inconsistent in terms of performance. But if the conditions are right, it could be really competitive in a point, sto- point scoring car. But if the conditions are wrong, it'll be uh, pretty terrible. And they're aware of that. And that's just something they've accepted and they're going to live with that. And this is an interesting strategy because you build a or the trend recently has been to build a car that is equally good everywhere. We have seen in the past teams, Red Bull in particular, um, used to build a car that uh, worked really well around Monaco and then realised that they only go to Monaco or things like Monaco once a year, and that was quite wasteful. It's an interesting approach. So the most famous example of this was Force India in, I think, either 2008, no, it must be 2009, at the Belgian and Italian Grand Prix. The rest of the year, racing Force India has failed to score a single point. But at those two tracks, because their car was, frankly, a bullet in a straight line, it just nothing could live within a straight line. None of the top teams. So around Spa, we, you will remember seeing the Giancarlo Fisichella in mm-hmm. that car, I think it was, battling with Kimi Raikkonen for the lead of the Belgian Grand Prix and managing to finish second. He would have won it had that car had a hybrid system. And because Kimi Raikkonen had a hybrid system, he could press that boost button and just stop the uh, Force India from overtaking. The car went off to Monza and again was super quick in qualifying because it just was a, it was just slippery down the straights. They built a car deliberately for two tracks on the calendar. Now, if Williams has gone down that route, it could really pay off because compared to last year, you know, where you hardly, they couldn't score any points, building a car that works on two tracks, Spa and Monza and perhaps this new uh, track in the Middle East, um, they could actually have got onto something that will allow them to perform extremely well on just a few circuits, and the rest of the time it'll be junk. And that could net them a bunch of points. Obviously, this is an important year for George Russell because he, he just has to keep proving he's doing what he's doing, which is obviously beating Nicholas Latifi and occasionally starring for 10 laps till things the car gets the better of him. So he can keep himself in pole position for a seat at Mercedes for next year. Um, and that's something he'll probably do. He looked very, very confident, very competent in the car uh, in testing. Put in some of its better times. Nicholas Tiffy on the phone. It was 110 laps and not very competent in testing. And it's, you know, it's when you're batting away in a car that's not near the front and not causing any major stirs, and you can stick on a bolt and set new tyres, get yourself there or thereabouts, and off you go. But, you know, Williams are going to need some luck to get some points. And oddly, they they just didn't really have that luck last year. They obviously in Imola, George made a big mistake. But, you know, they they. The pace-wise, that's their problem because a lot of people have got have also improved. And where it was, there were three teams in the back of the grid last year, you kind of feel that Alpha may have moved forward. So they've now got to try and bridge another gap, and then the teams above them have also gone a bit better. So it's a, it's a big struggle in a, in a in a year which is um, you know stagnating regulations. They also have to decide when to concentrate on 2021. They, they, to their credit, they are bringing upgrades uh, for the first race. And they do, you know, they have got an advantage and they have George Russell, who, who is the best driver in those lower three teams. Um, now, I'm not saying he's the best driver compared to Riken and his pomp, but certainly he's the best driver at the moment. And that will give them a chance to get past some of those cars. So this is interesting because earlier when we were talking about Alonso, you were saying that age doesn't uh, degrade performance and uh, Kimi Raikkonen still 
I didn't say it, it didn't have to do great performance. Doesn't mean it doesn't. It's all about motivation. If you're just doing it for your hobby, um, which Raikkonen says he is, and you know, he's differently wired to the rest of us, which is why you'll see from Raikkonen some great weekends and some anonymous weekends. But I still well, I still think at, at 41, if you put him up against George Russell at the moment, then Russell would win because Russell's just got way more fire. Do I think Russell would beat Alonso? No, I don't. In the same car. In the same car. And it's about fire, isn't it? Where is George Russell going to finish the 2021 right. championship? Uh, George Russell is going to be 16th. And Nicholas Latifi? Going to be 19th. They're going to be in the penultimate place in the championship, 9th. Uh, the team I've got next is Alfa Romeo Sauber. Yes, did lots of laps. Um, we were occasionally at the top of the charts. Um, car looks quite nice, uh, benefiting from the extra horsepower. Uh, yeah, they, they looked again uh, in that in that bottom trio. They looked like they, they may have, with the aid of the extra horsepower, bit thirty or forty, have begun to bridge the gap to the teams above them. You know, the the Avataris and Aston Martins and Alpines, and so yeah, they, they perhaps won't be so cast adrift by the other teams seems to have a lot less red on it than it did last year yes they're stripping out the red making it more white i think they've um, they're, they're putting their master alfa romeo and um stellantis and hoping to get an extension of the contract for the sponsorship but um not always necessarily going to happen no i think their problem the problem that alfa romeo has got is they've got the most uninspiring driving lineup there is um no they kept giovanazzi and they kept Raikkonen. now keep one or the other giovanazzi's had his chance they really should have found someone new and exciting to replace it with he's he's literally if you I'm sure if you, if you, if you cut, him in, cut him in half like a stick of Blackpool Rock, he just had the word journeyman written inside him. He's just got nothing special about him. Um, but he's one right of in, only two teams that has kept the same driver lineups last season. Well, what's that? The, no, there's three teams that kept him in half. Three teams, you're right. Um, but it doesn't matter. Keeping the same lineup, it's, it's just because you, you don't do it for the sake of it. Um, I think I think it's an error, and I think that Fred Vasseur thinks it's an error as well. So that's interesting. But you know they are going to have to live with that. I think it's going to compromise them. I think that uh, Giovinazzi is is you know obviously when I say you know, because I have this caveat every year, every single person who drives an F1 is a brilliant driver. He's just less brilliant than the others. Um, and Raikkonen has spent force and has done at least two years too many. Uh, okay, I mean that. But I think no redeeming features for them. I think the car's good. I think the car, the car, I think has made a big step forward. I think they've neatened what they had last year and got 43 horsepower or free, you know what I mean, in, in equivalent. So they've had a free upgrade based on the fact that last year's car was te- last year's engine was terrible. Sam, what can you add? Uh, well, it's again, it's an evolution of last year's car. They've spent some tokens on a new nose. Otherwise, it's pretty much a continuation of the concept. Um. It's a team that frustrates me slightly because I think the driver lineup is a little bit underwhelming. Uh, I think Kimi's seen his best days and Antonio Giovinazzi doesn't seem to have many good days. And I think with better drivers such as Kalamila or Schwartzman behind the wheel, I think that car could do quite a lot. But if Kimi's having a good day, like he did at the beginning of a couple of races last year, he can be up the front battling for the big points. 
but there aren't many of those days anymore. And I think as a result, the team will just be squabbling over ninth and tenth for a couple of races a few times a year. Won't be really. I mean, I, I think we'll struggle to notice them through the season. Where are they going to finish? Eighth. Uh, uh, where is Kimi Raikkonen going to finish? Fifteenth. And uh, Fabrizio Giovinazzi. Uh, Antonio. Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, yes. 17. We have one team remaining. And yes. that is Haas, who yes. have quite publicly said that they're focusing all their effort on 2022 uh, and have done nothing to this car, apart from no. change the colour scheme. Yes, glory to Mother Russia. It is the all-Russian-American racing team from North Carolina Oblast. Um, yeah, the Haas, they came into it, they basically made the bare minimum changes to last year's car stuck in the new Ferrari power unit and said, yeah, we'll be done with that. They've made, obviously, the minimum aerodynamic changes to meet the regulations. Realised, I think, early on that that possibly would leave them quite embarrassingly slow. They've introduced a very minor aerodynamic update in testing. I hear rumours of another update coming for the first race. I'm not convinced we'll see it. But beyond that, the team have said, yeah, they've already given up development on this car and they're going to focus on next year's car over this year's one so i really don't expect to see much performance from that car it's an all rookie lineup um and i just think maybe they went for at least one of the wrong 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 rookies what can i say about Haas? i don't see the point of taking part if you're not going to try um and it seems to me that Haas haven't been trying for a couple of years because I think Gene Haas just wants to sell the franchise. Hence but the now you think they're trying even less than they were last year? Yes, they're not trying at all. They didn't develop the car last year and they had an excuse for that because of um, COVID. This year, they're not developing it because they can't be bothered. Um, and they've got large amounts of cash from Mr. Mazapan and some more cash from Ferrari um, to run uh, Mick Schumacher. And they are... It's... it's um, you know, uh, and they, they, I'm pretty sure that Gene has decided that he's not going to put any money into this and he's going to turn a profit. And they therefore, did. by not spending any money, that's fine. They did have a few little changes over the weekend, though, didn't they? Because they ran different noses on different days and different front wings. Yeah, they, they, well, they, kind of, they bought things out of the box they've had before, haven't they? But it's, um, you know, it's not, they have, they have done some development over the course of uh, the, the, well, the end of, the last 12 months they've not spent any tokens they've done nothing significant and it was shown because the car was the slowest you know the, the all that the boys at Haas have to fight for is a battle between themselves and and the promise of something better um you know it's, it's interesting really because Haas have kind of followed the 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 model we had got out of the habit of of the the last back market team just being a breeding ground for people with cash or um, you know, or relationship with another team. You know, it's it's very Minardi-esque, isn't it? Now, mm. you know, turn up, be a little bit off the pace, but enough to qualify with easy. To take some hot shoe, and perhaps some guy has got some cash. You know, your Tarso Marquez and your Fernando Alonso, and that sort of thing, and, and run the season and enjoy it, and then enjoy surviving. Now they have an ambition, they say, to build a proper car next year. But I think the ambition that they actually have is to sell the franchise possibly, to Mr. Mazepan. We don't forget, try to buy Racing Point. Do we think that this, uh, we're focusing on 2022, um, may not be quite as true 
uh, as they're saying, and actually they're not doing anything towards 2022 either at the moment. Well, they have various contracts in place and, and various engineers. If you're not designing anything for this year, then you have designers doing nothing, so you may as well get them to design stuff for next year. Well, one would hope they're working on the 2022 car because they're going to be awful this year. It's a, yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're just designing stuff, the cost is not great. Um, it's just the people. Obviously, they decide to build wind tunnels and run wind tunnels as cost involved, but they you know they have an allowance of wind tunnel time usage. You don't have to use it all up in, in equal chunks, but, you know, so I don't know. I think I don't, I don't know what, what Haas are doing. It's, it's a weird model they're running at the moment. You know, they are running a model to make money out of F1 and well done Gene because he lost money prior. But I don't think, you know, for an American team that's never employed an American driver to, to run the Russian flag seems really weird to me, but that's because I'm a child of the Cold War. Uh, Mick Schumacher, how's Looks he? Like lo- seems like a lovely lad. Doesn't he? Um, you know, I have met him. He was lovely when I met him, and he seems lovely now. And he's, you know, he's got, you know, he's, it's a very difficult name he's living with. Not just because he's son of Michael Schumacher, because of what's happened to Michael. You know, it's and and people want to know, and he doesn't want to say, and it's it's very difficult. Um, he seemed very relaxed in the car, put in some very solid racing, and didn't make any mistakes. Um, you know. Oddly, having a year where you've got no ambition, it, it kind of suits Mick because Mick's history within all his junior formula is he needs a year to learn. And then the second year, he really blossoms. So he may get a free year to learn because no one's really going to pay much attention to them because um, they know how limited it is. As long as he can be there or thereabouts with Nikita Mazapan or beat him, then he's fine. Uh, and Nikita? Yes, well, hey ho. Um, I'm just what the, the Mazapan's got a real problem. Um, in the public perception of him, which wasn't great to begin with and got even worse after the incident over the Christmas period um, on Instagram. So much so now that there was actually a campaign um, during testing for FOM not to show him. Yeah. There's an attempt. It's interesting, actually, because it was quite, I think there was a bit of an outrage amongst the Twitterati that they couldn't, because I think they thought they, thought they could cancel him and they in the wonderful cancel culture at the moment. And they couldn't because FOM wouldn't do it because of course what they don't realize is from a contractually obliged to show all the cars the same amount so um that was quite funny seeing that battle on twitter hopefully that'll blow over he's an idiot um he's but he's been an idiot in and out of the car um but then if we're honest about this people the the campaign against him isn't exactly whiter than white is it no and overly rich overprivileged young men who've had money and what they want tend not to be brilliant human beings when they're young. Mm. If we give him a chance to mature, who knows? He might well, you know, he could turn out to be a very pleasant person as it stands. He's not someone I want to go out to the pub with. I don't think he'll go to the pub with me, in fairness. But, you know, he, he seems like a, a slight, well, basically he seems like an upper-class lout. Um, though obviously We've had plenty of those in Formula 1 in the past. Exactly, exactly. Um, just it's not so funny or popular at the moment. But he needs to, but what he needs to do is keep his head down have make no waves whatsoever off the track make as few waves as possible on the track he's had problems with that as well but i don't think that's going to be an issue because most of his problems will be in the heat of battle and he's only going to be battling with his with his teammates that shouldn't happen so he can have a nice low-key season and then he, he concentrate on trying to beat mick schumacher which is really all they get those two can, can concentrate on this year is he going to suffer uh from that and by that i mean does the fact that the car's obviously not going to get him anywhere 
is that going to demotivate him and possibly lead him to do things off track which uh, will plunge his reputation even further downwards? Um, it's a good question, actually, Tim. But I think no. I think there's, that what's happened is that people are going to now be manage, micromanaging him. And don't forget, his dad's put a huge amount of money into this, which will also become, I suppose, eventually theoretically ownership of the team. He's not going to worry about his seat because that's guaranteed by millions and millions of rubles or dollars, whatever it may be. So yeah, I mean, I think if he's got any sense at all, which he hasn't, in fairness to you, Tim, shown so far, um, then he will just keep a low profile and concentrate on beating Mitch Schumacher. A lot of people have pointed to the fact that he's one of uh, a few drivers who didn't win any of the junior single-seater categories. Um, neither did Max Verstappen. Neither did Max Verstappen. Um, the difference being that, of course, when uh, uh, Nikita Mazepan did his sole season of Formula 3, he was up against Lando Norris. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think... You have to kind of take um, junior formula with a with a pinch of salt sometimes. Yes, a stellar career is a stellar career, and that can be a fantastic indication. The person, obviously, with the best junior formula career, I think I'm right in saying, is George Russell, isn't he? He's got the best junior formula yes. results of everybody. But then again, you saw starring roles from a Leclerc. But let's go. One of the greatest stars of junior formula disappeared without a trace, and that was Stoffel Van Dorn. So it doesn't mm. prove it either way. Yes, it's a better indication. If you've won or come second, in the, it's more likely you're going to be a great racing driver than you've come 28th. But then again, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a super license. So that's the point. I, I, you know, I don't think that... Maz- but, well, yeah, there's three, there are three billionaires' sons on the grid. The only one, I think, who might have got there without the billionaire's money is Lance Stroll. Anything else you want to tell me about the Haas? Um... I wonder if that paint scheme will continue into the season. Weather is looking at the front wing in particular because it's a Russian flag and that's not allowed because Russians treat cheat with drugs in sports, apparently. Apparently. Uh, well, not apparently. They do. Well, it's they been, do. It, yes. it's, it's absolute fact that uh, some Russians have been caught cheating uh, using drugs in some sports. Uh, obviously, those colours are also the colours of uh, many other flags like Liechtenstein. Well, that could be the argument. I mean, red, white and blue are the colours of the United States of America. So perhaps it's just a very patriotic American livery. I'm not sure that'll stick. I mean, there's, what, 200 countries in the world? Nearly 50 of them have got red, white and blue flags. Yeah, I, I think Wada will have a word in the FIA's ear about that. And I could see the team, team turning up with a perhaps plain black front wing. It's really only the front wing that is at stake because the colours are allowed. It's just not the flag that is allowed. And you'll see if in the extraordinarily unlikely event that the Russian driver gets on the podium, there will be no Russian flag or anthem. Uh, They're going to finish last, obviously. Yes. Nick Schumacher, 18th and Mazepan, 20th. Yes, there we go. So Schumacher, 18th and Mazepan, 20th. I'm very happy with this pop and fettle. I think I, I couldn't be really fitting anywhere else, but I think it might be too low. Maybe swap in with uh, Colin. No, I'll live where I'm. I'll live where it is. I'll, 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 I'll live with my failure come um, December when we review this. So there we have it. The 23 race, 2021 Formula One World Championship uh, gets underway in just days now. 
and uh, we've heard from Sam and Nick thank you to both of you hopefully you'll be back with us in December when we look back at the season and see how good your predictions were Uh, but for now from all of us good night This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.